0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Iron List. Uh, my name is William Bibiani I'm a film critic for The rap and bloody disgusting. Everybody calls me Bibs. My name is Whitney Seibold.
1: That's all. That's all Just you need, Whitney baby. Seibold. That's all you need. Nobody gets me. I'm the wind, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Crow. Uh, so uh, every Tom, Tom said that. Was oh, it Tom? Yeah. We're ma- well, shut my mouth. Right right at the top. We're mixing up our Mystery Science Theater 3000 references. That's not a
0: good sign we are not on our game today. <laughs> uh, every month here at the Critically Acclaimed Network, we do one list. Mm. A lot of people love lists. We enjoy them too. But we want to do them right. We want to do lots and big and researchy and make it awesome. So, we only do one a month. And to make sure it's special, it is selected by our patrons over at patreon.com slash acclaimed. Network. Uh, Our first two episodes, which are still available, uh, you can find them, uh, were the best film noirs ever, and the best Christmas movies ever, and for
1: January, uh, y'all voted for a fun one. Well, I mean, it's fitting. It's in keeping with the time. You you picked the best January movies ever. Now, January movies... Uh, it, it's kind of a uh, a dirty phrase for critics. Um, mm-hmm. January is often <laughs> referred to as "fuck you." It's January, yeah, or yeah the the dumping ground. Uh, January is when studios like to dump a lot of garbage onto your face. Uh, it's It's a time when most of the country gets to catch up with all of the Oscar contenders, all of the stuff that came out in limited run in the big cities, Mm -hmm. uh, and were on a lot of critics' best of the year lists, but critics saw all of those movies probably as early as November. Uh, er Earlier if they went to festivals. Yeah, sometimes even earlier if they went to festivals, and... As such, when it comes time for us critics to start reviewing the product that comes out in January, we're stuck with only the brand new films that are released in that month. Now, studios don't like to get in the way of their big
0: Oscar contender movies by releasing something they think could be an Oscar contender. So January is frequently a month where they dump crap. Yeah. Uh, they dump genre films in which they have no faith. They dump uh, really just heavy-handed, you know, easy, you know, to, uh, uh, monster movies that are, that will make the same amount of money no matter when they come out, that yeah, kind of yeah. thing. Really low-budget, low-concept action movies, I've, that kind of thing.
1: I've heard uh, someone actually came out just this year and defended—I forgot which critic it was—but they defended this season mm. uh, after all of sort of the glut of quality— their brains were sort of worn out. And so they wanted to go to the movie and just see schlock like underwater. And they were kind of praising that there's finally a period where you can just sort of cool off, not have to worry about what's going to go on a list, just sort of see a movie and let it kind of fill this dead zone in your soul that has opened up from all of the exhaustion from the quality. Um, I think it's kind of a silly argument. I'd rather have quality. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I love a good B-movie. I love a silly B-movie. Um, I love a good
0: B-movie. Well, I, But oftentimes, a good B-movie uh-huh. isn't necessarily a great movie. Sometimes oh, definitely they, not. Sometimes they embrace their silliness, their schlockiness, mm-hmm. and uh, they're just a good time at the cinema. Uh, there are a lot of movies that I either put on my list or seriously considered putting on my list that I enjoyed and I openly praised, and I was... Disturbingly mocked for Everyone's like You liked What How dare you It's bad And I'm like I was sitting next to you In a theater You enjoyed it Because it's bad That's why I told no one To see it (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how that
1: works. We were all having a good time. Like, How can you suddenly say you weren't? Everyone was enjoying the film. You know, there's, there's a difference between laughing with and laughing at and laughing next to and laughing around. I know, so, but like when it comes to certain movies, mm-hmm. the difference is pretty negligible. Like, if you're I having could, a good time, and the movie uh, wants you to have a good time, you they did it. <laughs> I, I suppose, but if you're having a good time at the film's expense, that's something a little different. I don't think it's necessarily... Well, yeah. and and I don't think that's necessarily... Yeah, like um, I think
0: some people get confused as
1: to where the line
0: is. I guess yeah, is my point. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, like you and I both saw a movie last year called Countdown, which was about a killer phone app. Yeah. That count that predicts when you're going to die to the second. Yeah. And some of them download this app and they find that they're going to die within the hour. And then there's this big convoluted mess that if they do something to obviously pre- prevent their own mm-hmm. death, like get into the car with a drunk driver, for instance. Or not get into the car. <clears throat> or rather, excuse me, not get into the car with a drunk driver, which is something that would clearly kill them. Yeah. Then a demon appears and kills them anyway. Yeah, because you got to die at that exact moment. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why that we needed that sort of extra little wrinkle. Can't the demon just appear and I, kill you? I think otherwise it's just Final Destination or something. Like They're yeah, trying uh, to make it... Uh, distinguish it from Final Destination. Yeah, anyway, you didn't like that, movie. <clears throat> I, I think... I've, had a wonderful time watching it because it's so stupid right and i I can't recommend it because it's so stupid And my (laughs) argument was the
0: first half of the movie Uh had no indication never once hinted that the filmmakers were in on the joke Mm. and the second half does the second half gets goofy i think we started introducing wackier characters Mm. uh sillier plot points i think all of a sudden the movie starts admitting okay look we know this is dumb all right um, Countdown came out in October. It's not a January movie. But if it came out in
1: January, no one would be shocked. Yeah. In fact, uh, speaking of uh, Final Destination films that came out in January... <laughs> um, one of them we, was on your may, list? Maybe we can start the conversation with Final Destination 2. Well, I'm going to say this real, real fast. Yeah. Uh, because we're before, we before we move on, uh,
0: Wendy and I had some debate over what movie should qualify for this. Mm. I argued that in order to be, quote, a January movie, unquote... Mm. Uh, It needs to be the kind of movie that gets dumped into January and just happens to be good. Yeah. yeah. Whitney argued that any good movie that opens in January, regardless of whether it's the kind of movie that actually we think of when we think of January Mm -hmm. movies, should qualify. So my list is almost exclusively surprisingly good schlock. Okay. Like schlocky action horror genre films. Typically, yeah. Whitney's, I guess, is going to be more of a mixture, right? A-, a little bit of a mixed bag. That's fine. And there's a lot of great movies, mm. like legitimately great movies that aren't going to be on my list. I'll give them an honorable mention mm. just because I acknowledge that they're great. But they're not going to be on my top ten. All right. Anyway, you're going to start y- us off with... Uh, by uh, the way, these are not in order, although we each have a number one favorite.
1: Yeah, yeah. we're just sort of... Conversa- it's a list, but it's more of a conversation. Yeah, we'll um, end with our favorite, but this is Yeah, it. Final Destination 2 came out in January. Um, Final Destination 2... Uh, I'd say Final Destination 3 might be the best in that series, but they're all pretty good. I would say it's Final Destination because, 2, actually. Um is is the, is the best one? It's my favorite. Yeah, I, I like the third one with the the roller coaster and has the tanning bed death and mm. some fun. It 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 seems to be a little bit more cartoony. Yeah, it's fair. The, the second one is also quite good. The, it has they're, some, they're all some pretty, pretty spectacular good. deaths. E- even yeah, the fourth
0: one, which kind of which is easily the worst, still has some mm. good deaths in it. So. Yeah, yeah. but that, what's what the a, that's the one with the NASCAR race right yeah. at the beginning? But it has that like great mm. uh, scene where the. Um, the escalator is trying to eat everybody, and that's kind of Oh, yeah, 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 But uh, f- tell people what the Final Destination movies are, because it's been a while uh, since we've had one.
1: That's true. Uh, the, there were five of them. There were fi- The Final Destination films were about a young boy and his, I think his high school class, were going on a senior trip. Uh, one of them had a psychic vision that they were all going to die on the plane. We got to see that enacted. We got to watch all the characters die. Then we zoom out of his eyeball. Oh, no, we can't get on the plane. We're going to die. Now, as it turns out, these psychic visions foul up death's plan. Yeah. Uh we we learn from Tony Todd because of course we learn from Tony Todd who who uh, plays who, a an, uh, an undertaker. He, he, yeah, he plays he plays the sort of spooky pathologist who gives all our characters all this information that death unseen not like a character just mm. the personification of death has a plan for you and if you foul up that plan death will come to get you in the order which you were supposed to die earlier. Uh, death gets you by just sort of turning the entire world into a death machine. Yeah, a Rube Goldberg. Yeah. What I so, love
0: about the Final Destination movies <laughs> is you never know what's gonna get ya. Mm. So like, oh no, the leaky
1: faucet. Well, that's somehow gonna affect this, like this, this, we, this, this, yeah, this, we, we, this, this. And all, all of a sudden you're stabbed in the throat. How? <laughs> yeah, we, we, we zoom in on a mug, and the mug, like, cracks in the bottom. Oh, no, death cracked the mug, and, you know, water drips on the floor, and that's what causes you to slip, and that's what causes a lamp to fall in the water, and then it electrifies the water, but you roll out of time in the way, but you roll out of, out of the way just in front of a bulldozer, and that's what gets you. Mm-hmm. Uh, stuff like that. Uh, they are the most gloriously efficient horror movies, like slasher movies, you'll ever see because you don't need a you don't need a killer anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it it cuts out the chaff of needing an actual murderer in a slasher movie and just turns the whole world into the murderer. John Waters has endlessly praised the Final Destination movies for that efficiency. Oh they're brilliant. He, he, and the filmmakers have a glorious time coming up with these creative kills and the kids are trying to get out of it, and they never can. No, it's uh, they're they're it's trapped because what they're going to do never die. Yeah. Like you,
0: you, you, will die eventually. Found this nation two is really really awesome. It was directed by um, the second unit director behind some of the best action sequences ever. If you enjoyed the freeway chase from the Matrix Reloaded, he did that. <laughs> Wachowski didn't do as much of that as you think. Uh, he he was responsible for how cool that was. Yeah. Um. So he really knows how to put together. A stunning sequence. It was David Ellis, I think it was his name. Oh, I think you're right. Um, And uh, yeah, the the setups and payoffs and absolutely holy shit moments of Final Destination 2, I think are the best. The opening disaster is um, this incredibly complicated but stunning uh, freeway pileup. Which is just yeah. absolutely plausible like, and horrifying. With a,
1: with a logging truck, yeah, yeah oh, that's it's right, so yeah.
0: creepy. Um, and there's a great bit with a kid at a dentist. The ends. I'm not going to tell you how this one ends. I want you
1: to see this one for yourself. Oh, it's, it's not a dentist. It's the eye
0: doctor, right? No, no. He's a dentist because he's uh, the kid. He's remember uh, the dentist said oh, someone's been smoking. Should I tell your mom? He's like
1: ah, someone oh, else. Right, 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 Eye doctor. It's in like the fifth one. The, you're right. That's the fifth one. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, the, the eye doctor is the best one uh, because it's somebody strapped into the gurney and yeah. there's like a laser beam heading for their eye and they can't move because their head is strapped. Still, I and know laser beam and she can see it coming. Oh no, it's coming through my eye and she's able to sort of like. Wiggle free and roll onto the floor, and just then, the bathtub from the floor above collapses <laughs> on through the ceiling. It's like the most unexpected thing. It's super great. Yeah.
0: Um, but no, I love Final Destination too. It actually starts uh, playing around with the rules of the formula a little bit. Um, the tension has never been tighter. I know you like three better. Three is great. Three is yeah, awesome. Yeah. But I've in my heart of hearts, two is the best of the whole. Okay,
1: school.
0: um, that's a great pick. Mm. I love that pick. Um, my number. There's no numbers. Um. Mm. I'm going to go with a movie that I think, I think this might have been the very first movie released in 2010, like the first movie of the decade. (laughs) Uh, It was filmed by the Spirit Brothers, who would eventually go on to give us uh, Predestination, which Mm. is one of the best sci-fi movies of the decade. Mm. And I think this is one of the more underrated vampire
1: movies. It's called Daybreakers. Oh, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of static on Daybreakers. Daybreakers is quite high concept. Yes, it is. I admire it a that. lot of weird ideas. Yes! I don't think any of them work. I think they all work, and they're
0: great. Hey. <laughs> um, so the idea of yeah, Daybreakers... Tell, tell us is, about
1: the vampire apocalypse.
0: Okay, so the idea of Daybreakers is it's actually, like, pretty clever. So vampires are real. <coughs> uh, they're not, like, slinking around the shadows, having secret societies. It's like, no, someone finds out vampires are real, and then they come to the very smart conclusion that well, why would we be against this? We live forever. So now everyone's a vampire. Mm-hmm. Everyone a- after, opted in. It's after the vampire apocalypse. Well, it's not even the vampire apocalypse. It's just the vampire takeover. Mm. And now everyone's a vampire. Problem is, so people are vampires. So there's no one to eat anymore. And Ethan Hawke plays a scientist who is trying to create artificial blood, or at least finding a new source for it. Um, and, uh, yeah. It turns out that's actually really, really difficult. The solution is not but, what he thought it would well, be.
1: The way they construct the world is kind of fascinating because blood is so scarce, people live on blood rations. So now we're living in a vamp- post vampire apocalypse with messages of scarcity and austerity. Yeah, yeah. it's very, very much a, a, yeah. a metaphor for the oil crisis, basically. And yeah. how we're, or just how we're food all good. shortages, whatever That's you too. Like, And yeah. any sort
0: of scarcity crisis is mm. uh, a fundamental factor in Daybreakers. I love the way that they think about every single piece of vampire lore in a slightly different way. For example, um, sunlight still kills them mm-hmm. but now but now that it's a now it's a big industry to come up with like sunlight proof glass mm. and stuff like that. Another thing is once you start starving from uh, from blood dehydration or whatever, that's when you turn into a Nosferatu. That's yeah, like you, you get, devolving you get really and f-
1: feral all of a sudden. Yeah, so like there are all
0: these like feral gangs of monsters running around who can't can't get enough blood. Uh blood is distributed via your local Starbucks. They corporatized it. So yep. you just get coffee with blood in it. <laughs> which is really funny. Um Daybreakers takes a weird concept and I think it's something that would eventually treat the Spirit Brothers well in Predestination, they think of every different aspect of it. And yeah, it's still a January movie. Some of it's dumb. There's something that we learn about um, how sunlight and how it makes vampires explode. Mm. There's something that we learn about that, which is t- a step too far. <laughs> I'm, I'm watching well, it, I'm like, that's, no, that doesn't make any s- I see why you thought that was clever, and I'm gonna go with you because the rest of your movie was really quite smart, but that's one toke well, over the they, line. They take
1: that one toke over the line Line, and then they just they do the yes and then what with that and mm-hmm. take it like a step further after that. Yeah. And then take it a step further after that. Yeah. And I kind and of it, admire that. I admire the chutzpah
0: of the, of chutzpah.
1: Of the- Hutspot.
0: I I, I uh, was wrong. <laughs> I, I, I admire the chutzpah. Okay, I admire the chutzpah. I apologize. Uh, I admire the chutzpah of of Daybreakers. Okay. Um, and um, yeah, it's one of those movies that no one had any expectations of and actually ended up being really clever and interesting and made you go, who are these filmmakers? And then they capitalized on that with one of the better films of the decade and then they made a couple of crappy horror movies since actually it's kind of disappointing. <laughs>
1: it,
0: it, it is kind of disappointing. Yeah, I hope they, I hope they get back on track again because Predestination was quite good Predestination is excellent Daybreakers is very promising Um, I didn't see their original like Australian zombie horror movie I think it was called Undead Uh, oh oh, I saw Undead yeah Uh, but uh, yeah I think they're really talented and Mm -hmm. Daybreakers is one of those films that just because it was better than you'd ever Mm -hmm. think it was I think it opened some
1: doors so good good January movie Undead is clearly made by filmmakers in their 20s who Mm -hmm. are big fans of the Evil Dead yeah Uh, there's a lot of those well Evil Dead Evil Dead opened doors Oh are
0: you are you working on a low budget and uh, you can
1: get some fake blood make a movie make make a movie and make it kind of like Really violent and kind of wacky. There's, mm-hmm. I think somebody needs to program a whole film festival of nothing, nothing but Evil Dead knockoff. That's not bad. All right, what's your uh, what's your next pick? Well, how about a January movie that is kind of a tribute to January movies? How about Joe Dante's Matinee? Oh, uh, good mat- Matinee came out in January. Uh, Joe Dante is a big, 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 big fan, and rightfully so, of William Castle. William Castle is the best American showman since P.T. Barnum. He invented uh, a certain kind. Kind of monster movie experience in the late 1950s that uh, nobody has matched since. He wanted interactive movie experiences for little kids to have a really great time at the movies during the theater. So he came up with, uh, and this is what he, even though he directed, you know, several dozen movies. I think uh, The Tingler was like his 40th film. Uh, he came. He's famous for coming up with uh, gimmicks. That is selling you life insurance in case the film scares you to death. Uh, Stopping the film and having the audience vote on whether or not the evil killer will get his comeuppance or will get away with it. There's by the way, there's no, uh, there's no cut of that movie where Mr. (laughs) (laughs) Sardagas gets away with it. (laughs) We've tallied your votes and it turns out you voted for him to die. Every time. Uh, The most famous is the tingler. It's also my favorite where Vincent Price plays a doctor looking for the source of fear and finds when people get really, really scared, a creature grows on their spine Uh, That's a really great movie. It's a wonderful movie. I think it's one of the the best of all time, and I'm not even kidding about that. I think you've got an argument, actually. Uh, And uh, Joe Dante wanted to make more or less a biopic of William Castle, but it's sort of a fictionalized version of William Castle. Mm. Uh, But yeah, it's about uh, this William Castle-type figure. uh, Played by John Goodman. Played by John Goodman, who is trying to stage a very Tingler-like movie called Mant. Uh, during the Cuban Missile Crisis, so the outside world is going to crap, everybody thinks everything's going to blow up, but the one solace we have is a guy in an ant costume. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of this glorious poem to the importance of movies and how the chaos in the movie theater can kind of balance the chaos outside of the movie theater. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily about escapism or distraction, but how movies in the real world do play off of one another, and uh, and it's a really good movie. Well, I
0: have no objection to that. I haven't seen uh, Matinee since, like, shortly after it came out. Mm-hmm. So my memory of it is a little hazy, and I'm not entirely sure. I'm not confusing parts of it with another film. Okay. So I can't speak too heavily about it, other than I remembered loving it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, uh,
1: yeah, that seems like a good choice. There's a, a funny scene where the uh, John Goodman character stops at a gas station, and they're selling stuffed alligators. Mm. He's just he's filling up his car. He's just sort of idly, he's chomping on a cigar the way uh, William Castle did. Mm. He's looking at this alligator. He's like... Manigator, Alaman. Nah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, for my next pick, uh, this is as far back as my picks go. This is like the oldest pick I've got. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, do you ever wonder what would happen? If Robocop teamed up with Indiana Jones <laughs> <laughs> and then went back in time and also there's a ninja.
1: And Denise Crosby too. <laughs> and Denise Crosby from Star Trek is in. Oh my in gosh, it. I didn't know this was January release, so totally you included this. January 31st, The Eliminators. Is, oh gosh, the Eliminators
0: is magic. The Eliminators is is one of the like the cheesy, weird sci-fi uh, movies from the 80s that mm. you know you'll see on like a double feature DVD, and you'll say to yourself, No, there's no no way it could possibly be as good as it is on the cover. And it's one of the ones that actually is. Like, it actually is exactly uh-huh. what you think it's going to be. And it's pretty damn cool. Uh, so there's a guy uh, who is, uh, I think. He's a, a mandroid. He's a mandroid. I'm trying to remember. I think he's in a plane crash. And he, like, crash lands on, like,
1: this, like, evil, mad scientist's castle. And oh, he no, turns him into a mandroid. He's from the future. The Mandroid's from the future? I think the Mandroid is from the future. He goes back in time because the villain has stolen the time machine. Okay, there's a time machine and there's a Mandroid, and the Mandroid like, <laughs> looks like the top half of a Borg
0: but the bottom half of a tank. Mm. He's got treads and everything, and it looks really cool. And uh, meanwhile, Denise Crosby is like a robot scientist who teams up with a really sleazy Indiana Jones-esque riverboat captain, and then they team up with a ninja played by Conan Lee, uh, who <laughs> from Tiger on Beat, which is a terrible Movie which has maybe the greatest, like, final fight action sequence ever. The
1: chainsaw fight where they trash the house. Oh, yeah, it's fucking phenomenal. You showed me that fight, (laughs) it's
0: really fucking Mm. cool. Tideground beat, terrible movie. Mm. Watch the ending. Holy shit. Um. (laughs) <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and then together they go back in time, and they fight a bunch of dudes, and they're trudging through the forest, and they fight more dudes, and the, the they man- learn
1: about the tragedy of being a mandroid. The, and the mandroid, he has, like, he's kind of a tragic figure. Yeah. He's kind of lamenting that his body has been destroyed. He can detach from his treads and sort of walk around, too, so they can save on the tread special effect. <laughs> um... This is one of those movies that I want to see remade, but not with an A budget, kind of like the B budget. No, you couldn't sort possibly of, with an A keep, budget. Sort of keep the spirit alive. Because yeah. if you made this like a slick $200 million production, forget it. No, like, no. That's, that's you, not you, interesting. You lose all the charm. You get $20 million
0: tops. There you go. Yeah, like just, that's what you get. You got to pick your money. You got to pick fact, your battles. make Eliminators
1: too. Don't get the same cast. Please. Recast it, but yeah. it's the same characters. That'd be great. Denise Crosby could
0: be back. Yeah, that's fine. I'm not sure. I'm not sure everyone else is still around. Uh, but yeah, Eliminators. Look it up. Lot of fun. Eliminators is really genuinely fun I, movie. I
1: have Eliminators on a three disc DVD box set that includes Eliminators, America 3000. Nice. And Arena from the from the nineties. Oh, Arena! Oh, did Arena come out in January? <laughs> oh, yeah, check I'm on gonna Arena. check
0: actually because if Arena came out in January, yeah. I'm gonna knock something off my list.
1: Arena is is a, a blood sport style fight picture, but it takes place on a space station and the fights are between aliens and humans aren't allowed to fight because they're too weak. Yeah. <laughs> It's so and damn And it's got, cool. like, a lot of people from Star Trek in it. It's, ah, yeah. came out
0: in March. Damn you, Arena. Well, uh, see Arena, anyway.
1: Arena is really...
0: Re- <laughs> it's, seriously, and, like, what's weird is that it actually has, like, cast members from Babylon 5 and Deep Space Nine mm-hmm. playing similar characters. Similar types of characters. Like, Armin Zimmerman is actually, like... Uh, uh, Armin Shimmerman. I'm sorry, Armin Shimmerman. kind yeah. I can't say anyone's name right <laughs> now. Uh, he's actually in this as kind of a Quark-type, you know, mm-hmm. mischievous character. But, yeah, Mar- just Marco
1: imagine- Mar- Limo is a Gul Dukat kind of character. Seriously, yeah. just
0: imagine Deep Space 9 but there was a subplot about a fighting tournament. <laughs> like holy shit, I want to see that it's so like, bad. Yeah, it's
1: like the schlocky version of Deep Space 9. It's Are- so cool. Arena is great. That bo- and America 3000 is spectacular too, only because of how just sort of explosively sexist that movie is. Yeah. It is horrible. <laughs> nice. All right, what's your next pick? Um, let's see. Let's go with um we are talking about sort of January movies, but the good versions of them? Yeah. Uh, Well, I like a good fight movie. I like a good chase movie. I like a good spy movie. And uh, Steven Soderbergh's Haywire gave me all that stuff. So that was one that was almost a
0: little too good for me to put on there. It's too good? Okay. It it is, however, clearly Steven Soderbergh's attempt to make like a low-budget cheesy fight movie, but he's too good a filmmaker, and he made it too good. And
1: he made it with uh, Gina Carano, who is amazing. Um, Yeah.
0: And a really good supporting yeah. cast too. Like everyone's in this movie. Ewan and McGregor's in this mm. movie. Channing Tatum is in this movie. Um, it, oh, yeah, Soderbergh's been
1: really big. Spent, I think Michael uh, Douglas is in it, isn't he? Oh, I, I don't actually. I don't remember. I do All bunch I remember of- is is Gina Carano kicking ass. Oh yeah, uh, because Gina Carano is a professional fighter. Uh, somebody said let's put her in a movie. Steven Soderbergh. Yeah, Michael Douglas. Had, oh, nice. It, has this really had this really weird hobby? He's like David O. Russell uh, in this part of his career where he's. <sighs> Just trying out every genre he can, Mm. but every genre he does, he kind of brings to him. He doesn't go to it. Mm. He's not trying to like make it in the spirit of a fight movie. He's trying to make a Soderbergh movie with fight in it. He's basically classing up the joint. Like you'll notice,
0: like Contagion is Mm. really no different than any other like outbreak. Yeah, yeah. it's really no different than Outbreak. It's just Mm. the way Soderbergh would do it, which makes it a little classier. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh. Haywire is Gina Carano is like a tough-as-nails like government assassin, she, she, yeah. and then they turn on her, and she takes the fight to
1: them. You've seen that movie a billion it's, times. It's really short. It's really efficient, uh, but it's filmed in this really sort of lush way. The fights have a lot of actual impact. Mm-hmm. You watch fight movies, like fight scenes, and a lot of sort of A features. There's a lot of edits. There's a lot of uh, CGI now. There's a lot of... Kind of impressive choreography that feels choreographed, if you can even see it. Uh, I remember a scene at the end of Captain America's Civil War where um, mm. two people are just beating up on Iron Man. It was Captain America and somebody else. It was Captain uh, America and Winter Soldier. Oh, and the Winter Soldier. They yeah. were just they were just pounding on Iron Man, and they were doing it so efficiently. It's like, well, you guys practice that. <laughs> That doesn't look like you're just beating up on a guy. Well, it looks but like Okay, but hang on, hang on. Right. As someone who, who
0: loves kung fu movies, uh-huh. those are all exquisitely choreographed, and you accept it because those really? are superhuman people.
1: Those are, and I, I guess so. It just sort of looks a little bit false in that movie. I, I can hear you. I
0: just feel like, if, you're, if it's card, already really false, they're already dressed up in big, true, crazy and, costumes, I'm going to give it a true, little bit it, of a In yeah. those
1: kung fu movies, they speed up the film, and they have those whooshing sound effects with fists, yeah. so it's fake there, too, but... With, it's larger than life is my point on purpose With the Haywire old, is not exactly with those Kung Fu movies and with Haywire though there's a deliberate attempt to showcase the actual physical skill of the fight performers yeah. and uh, the old Kung Fu movies they're really sort of light and fun and what a uh, fist lands it makes this sort of really unrealistic psh sound effect Uh, In Haywire, he's giving a lot of weight to that. When somebody gets hit, you can hear bones crunching. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't lose any of that kind of B-movie fight appeal. So, yeah, you're sort of cheering for the violence in that movie. I'm waiting for, Mm -hmm. because there's going to come a time Uh
0: when we look back on the films of relativity media, the way we look back on the canon group. <laughs> the Cannon Group well, the is a Media made all kinds of movies. Uh, they mostly made shit. And here's the thing with here's the thing. The Cannon Group,
1: there are multiple documentaries about how amazing the Cannon Group was and how uh well, one they, w- one was made by the Cannon Group in order to undercut one that was being made by somebody else. Fair
0: enough. But uh the Cannon Group was a motion picture production house and eventually a distributor uh that released a ton of really weird genre flicks mm-hmm. in the 80s. They would also occasionally make a really good movie, mm-hmm. perhaps by accident or perhaps because they threw money at a major filmmaker who was having trouble getting something made and then they just happened to make something good. Relativity Media was basically just trying to make genre films that would sell, and as a result, they made a
1: lot of weird shit. Well, they did the third Fast and the Furious film, Tokyo they Drift, which was, uh, from what I... What it looks like was supposed to be sort of, not even the, a start of a new franchise. Just the only way they could milk anything out of those those that name without getting any of the original actors back. Which is exactly the point. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a spinoff. Yeah. But they also did like comedies, like they did the Ricky Bobby movie. They mm. did The Pursuit of Happiness. They did all kinds of films. But you mm. know, in 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 all of that, they're also doing stuff like. Ghost Rider, and So well, not even that. Like they would, they would do things like
0: um, uh, My Soul to Take and Skyline. Oh, Mike Cook, My Soul to and, and Season so of the bad. like, especially in the last, like the last five years. Mm-hmm. All right, There's, this is some of the stuff they did. They did uh, those films. They did Season of the Witch. They did Sanctum. <sighs> they did Battle ugh. Los Angeles. Oh, ugh. yeah, 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 yeah. Cowboys and Aliens, although they worked with a bunch of people on that. Uh, mm-hmm. Shark Night. Uh, let's see what we got here Anonymous They did the remake of The Unborn Immortals uh, <laughs> uh, Contraband They did Haywire uh, Safe House. Act of Valor Mirror Mirror mm-hmm. The Raven The remake of Total Recall Ugh Yeah, they made a lot of They made the movie 43 They made a lot of
1: weird flicks mm. Just gonna I'm, I'm gonna say Didn't they do They did that film 9, right? The animated film? I think they did Which was clearly a stop motion animated film that they did in CGI for some reason no 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 it was based on a CGI uh, film that I think was nominated for an Oscar I know, and then it's expanded it I it's know but it's, it's about little dolls wandering I around it, lo- it looked and it, they look like it was designed to be stop motion but they, anyway it, it would have been better if it was in All right,
0: moving on it, it's my turn Yeah. It's my turn. Okay. Uh, I'm going to, oh, geez, there's so many to pick. Okay, I'm going to pick one that everyone who saw that this movie was coming out Mm -hmm. immediately rolled their eyes and went, oh, this is going to suck. Oh, fuck you, January. I can't believe you're going to do this to us. But then you and I saw Monster Trucks, and we had a great time.
1: (laughs) Monster Trucks is
0: really enjoyable monster trucks is the (laughs) stupidest ideas for a movie but if you were five you would have loved
1: it so Mm, it's about my my son would love monster trucks and he's four and a half
0: right okay so here's the deal uh they are drilling for oil or whatever and they find in like a cavern a group of subterranean creatures that eat oil to survive Mm -hmm. uh and they are like little squid monsters and it turns out those squid monsters fit really snugly into like the front of a car and love to wrap their squid tentacles around wheels and then
1: become cars. That's the premise. That's the premise. Okay, this it feels like even though this wasn't the case, this feels like one of those backward-engineered 80s cartoons where they started with the toy yeah. and made the cartoon show afterwards. Mm-hmm. But this time they just made the film first. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was such a weird. I guess they figured toys would follow.
0: And um, yeah, it stars Lucas Till, and he's like God uh, this. He's estranged from his father, and he's kind of an asshole actually. The, the film has one big problem is that he's kind of a bit of a jerk too much. Um, but he befriends this monster. The monster hides out in his truck, and then he has to like drive the monster in one's crazy action sequence after another away from villainous Thomas Lennon. <laughs> like,
1: well, yeah, Tom, Tom Lennon is the bad guy. He's great. Uh, yeah. He's one of the bad guys. Yeah. He's one of the bad guys. I'm he he ends remember. up being a good guy. Who's, uh,
0: who's the other bad guy in this? Is it It's, it's, a, it's like Chris Cooper, isn't it? No, doesn't it doesn't sound like it should be
1: Chris Cooper. <laughs> who's the bad guy in? Who's that, oh no, no, it was um uh, uh, uh um Rob Lowe. Uh, it was Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe. Yeah. That's who we got for this.
0: Monster Trucks. We got Rob Lowe. But yeah, it's, I, I, it's a big, big and goofy and dumb to, and if uh, it had but, come out in 1985, everyone would have fond memories of it and mm. we'd be remaking it with more money than ever right now.
1: I think uh also the the lead actor was a little too old. He was. Like he, he, I think the lead actor was like twenty one. He was. Oh, I he, think he was
0: older than I that. I think they even.
1: needed to get somebody who wasn't of driving age yet, like yeah. a fourteen year old actor, mm-hmm. to play that part because he can get really excited about driving for the first time. But you can also buy that he'd like befriend a squid monster that falls to like crawls into his junkyard. I totally buy that. I think that there's, probably would have been a better idea. You know, there, there's a really wonderful scene where they have to stop. Like bad guys are tailing them. It's like, oh no, what do we do? We got to stop. Well, let's stop and get gas. Well, we don't have an engine. We have a monster. We don't put gas in a monster, and they end up like just sort of squirting gas at the monster, and the monster drinks it up, and it's like caffeine for the monster. Well, because it's like it's got all those extra it's, chemicals. Yeah, it's in like it. refined. Like, it's only drinking crude oil up to this point, so now it has like refined gasoline. It's like, oh, this is like monster energy, and it drink. starts driving up buildings and stuff. Yeah, yeah. and oh, it, it's, it's the so most. Fun. It's the most like ridiculous fun kitty matinee stuff. It's great. I, yeah, I really it, like. Monster it Shucks. really bugs me when people
0: like were really mean to that movie, yeah. and I'm like, how can you be? Okay, I understand. He's an asshole, and he's really mean to like the love interest for way too long. Mm-hmm. Like, again, it's like, oh, he's not doesn't appreciate that she yeah, again, likes him, but then again, eventually, if you, if you
1: picture him as a 14 year old, yeah, way better. better way, or, I, I agree, he's probably
0: miscast, even though I, I like Lucas Till as an actor mm-hmm. in general. Um, but like, I don't understand any animosity towards monster trucks, it's so silly. Mm-hmm. How can you be mad at it? It's, so, it's cute. It's a cute movie. Anyway, if you liked Bumblebee, it'd be a really good like double feature with Bumblebee, where okay. it's like it's like Bumblebee with a lot less money and mm. um, a lot more like goofy kid friendly stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah. Anyway, what's your next one? Uh, I'll choose. I actually have more than ten on my me list too. Here, but, so uh, yeah. um, I'll choose the Book of Eli. Oh, I didn't. Think you would put this one that high? Okay, yeah, interesting. Why? 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 Why does this one really uh, strike your fancy? Is, you never well, talk about it. It's directed by the Hughes brothers. Um, it's uh, came out in January of I think twenty ten or twenty eleven, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just you know kind of that lone warrior wandering through apocalyptic wasteland crap. <laughs> not, not, not a genre I'm particularly fond of, but when you put Denzel in the middle, I'm watching. Yeah, because Den, a lot of, Denzel has a lot of dignity just naturally. He makes anything seem plausible just by being in it. I just once I would love to see just so he can play against type. Denzel Washington play like sort of a, a, a bumbling character. I, not not like Roman J Israel where he like makes a bad decision. I mean like a pratfall. Kind yeah, of no, no, like, a wacky, ball, like a wacky comedy guy. Yeah, I don't
0: think he's ever done. That. I mean, like, he, he might was, have. He I was, was in
1: Much Ado About Nothing. That's a comedy, but, but that's he a, was, a Shakespearean but comedy. But also he it's was a, the prince he was Pedro. Like, yeah, he, he doesn't was, have the goofy
0: beds. Yeah, and, uh, I don't you, think he's ever really done the slapsticky. No Even when he did something like The Preacher's Wife He was still the mm. sweet Oh no you know romantic- what He
1: was in a movie called Heart Condition Where he played a, a funny ghost Oh I never saw that Yeah you know, with Bob Hoskins uh, That might be the exception that, I, That's the only time where he's played that type of role mm. But yeah here he is playing this sort of uh, badass And he's wandering across the landscape And he has in his possession a book What book is it? I don't know, but all the bad guys want to get this book because they can use this book to control the world. And he's got his iPod, iPod in the post-apocalypse, and he's wandering from station to station. He stops at a station where Tom Waits offers him a charge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, it's revealed pretty early on that the book is the Holy Bible. Yeah. And uh, it's the last remaining copy of this Bible. Evidently, during the last apocalypse, all literature was destroyed. So there's, like, this Fahrenheit 451 underpinning going to all of this, mm-hmm. that the written word is now suspect Well, and people and there's also wield information for good or for evil. And that, I think that's kind of an interesting post-apocalyptic well, I... uh, conceit. And then there's this other twist that uh, actually I'm not going to ruin it, but it relates to a great series of older movies that, mm-hmm. And you could see it kind of as a spiritual sequel to a previous series of movies. And that's all I can say. No, no, I totally see it. It's it's
0: actually kind of easy to predict, but, like, I will let Mm -hmm. you explore it for yourself if you haven't seen the movie. Um, It's a very stylish film. It's mm -hmm. uh, uh, Gary Oldman's really fun villain in it. I love a good Mad Max variation, and I think that's one of the better Mm -hmm. recent ones that wasn't actually Fury Road. Um yeah, I don't know why This one just never really I respect it, fine I think it's a good movie I wouldn't like mm-hmm. If someone said Hey, can we watch Book of Elay I wouldn't say no <laughs> I'd be like, fine yeah. Uh, But yeah, I don't know It just it never really Hung with me
1: very much But it's a well-made mm-hmm. movie I it's, totally yeah, get it It's uh, of Of the movies of this ilk I think it's fine Yeah uh, you no know, in my top ten. January if you're going movies, in to right. see a January movie, you know you'd be you could be pleasantly surprised by something like the Book of Eli, and I liked the twist and I liked the end. So. Right, fair
0: enough. All right, uh, my next pick <coughs> for a great, uh, great, 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 great January movie hmm. uh, is a movie which I have no idea why this wasn't a hit. Like I have no fucking every. Hmm. There are so many movies exactly like it that do the exact same thing, basically the exact same way. But because they're called Fast and Furious, you loved them. But you rejected Torque! (laughs) Why did you reject
1: Torque? Torque is amazing! And Torque boys, we make our own rules! Oh wait, that's Biker Boys. (laughs) Uh, That's the one where they, like pick up motorcycles and sword fight with them right? no sort of <laughs> what they do is they
0: rear up a sort uh, a motorcycle like on a like they pop a wheelie mm-hmm. and then they like swing their popped wheelie motorcycles at each other like they're punching but ba- like they're punching bags it's I, awesome i i feel
1: bad that i haven't seen torque because this seems like You've never oh, you never seen torque oh you would love torque okay. okay
0: so the plot of torque uh motorcycles are awesome that's the plot mm-hmm. um it, it was it's right after Fast and the Furious there was a lot of knockoff films most famously there was a movie called Biker Boys um and there was Torque which was trying to do the same thing for Fast and Furious but specifically with motorcycles mm. and it was about a couple of motorcycle gangs um, one of which is led by Martin Brest is it Martin Brest? Martin no. Brest is
1: the film director. Yeah, Martin
0: Brest, hold on, Martin Henderson, sorry, oh, okay. Martin
1: Henderson, he would... The Mar- Martin
0: Henderson, the scent of a woman guy? <laughs> no, Martin. well, Martin Brest, the scent of a woman guy. Martin Henderson uh-huh. uh, was the guy who co-starred in Gore Verbinski's The Ring. And oh, okay. And briefly, we thought he might be a big deal. Instead, he's, hmm. he's, I think he does a lot of TV now, which is fine. Um... He, I think he just got out of prison or something, and he goes to reconnect with his old girlfriend and his old biker gang. Uh, there's another super tough biker gang that is led by Cuba Gooding Jr., with whom they have a somewhat respectable rivalry with. And then there's an evil biker gang uh, who wants... I think they kill somebody and then they frame Martin Henderson for it and now he's running from the cops but it's the person that he allegedly killed I think was Ice Cube's brother Mm -hmm. so he's running from Ice Cube as well Um, and it's one big long crazy motorcycle nonsense chase there's a scene (laughs) where they like chase each other through a palm tree grove and then like jump their motorcycles on the top of a speeding train and continue their chase on top of the train there's a moment in the movie I really like right after that, where, like, after Martin Henderson, like, he gets off the train, and he sees his girlfriend again. He's like, holy sh—I just, I just jumped my bike on top of a speeding train. That was so crazy. Did anyone see that? Because so many times in these action movies, people do the craziest thing, and they just brush it off just like, eh, Thursdays. Like, and he's like, no, no, I just did the craziest thing anyone has ever done. Did anyone see— Holy shit, no one will ever believe me <laughs> Like It's really stylishly filmed Everyone mm-hmm. in it's really, really funny Adam Scott plays like the really way too cool Cop like on their trail mm-hmm. And he's Adam Scott So he's an asshole Great. <laughs> well, uh,
1: that, that, That's his forte. Yeah, especially yeah, at the yeah. time
0: He was known as like the yeah. He played a lot of assholes in mm-hmm. movies And He's doing a great job here. Um, it's really fun. It's just as stupid as the stupidest Fast and Furious movie, but it's just as exciting. It doesn't have the budget of the later entries in the Fast and Furious franchise, mm-hmm. but it's got the imagination of them. Um, so if you like those movies, this is one of those movies where it's just like, yeah, watch Torque and ask yourself, why did for some reason did we choose to reject this and accept the others? Mm-hmm. I fi- I find it really arbitrary. I don't yeah. understand it. Like... This is just as good slash yeah. bad. I don't
1: understand. Anyway, it's really fun, and I help you check it out. Mm. Uh, did you know Scanners was released in January? I did. You and did? I, okay. I considered it too good. It, oh, that's
0: too good. <laughs> it's a Cronenberg movie. It's good. There's a lot of... Uh, my runners-up are full of lists that I consider too good good too, too,
1: all right. to um, make the list. Well, And there are a few that I'm... like. Uh, I'll just say it. Uh, my number one would have been Dr. Strangelove. Because that was technically a January release. But I think that was, A, before the notion of the January release was really kind of a thing. Yeah, I, I cut myself off around and, like the early 80s. Yeah, and uh, same with uh, Robert Altman's MASH. Yeah. Uh, th- those those are really great classic movies. But the that were stigma about in, January wasn't yeah. the same at the time. Yeah. So those are both great movies that were released in January. Of course. Those, either of those might be my number one. Of but, course. It's not I'm, in I'm the spirit le- of the list. I'm going to lead them off because, yeah, they're not in the spirit of the list. Scanners, I think, definitely is. Okay. Because Because uh, Cronenberg's early movies from uh, his first films to maybe through Videodrome were all uh, genre films. Him trying to do sort of like horror. Mostly. Uh, and even The Fly. Uh, yeah. And the thing is, Cronenberg is such an interesting director and has such interesting ideas about how to approach his genre And has such a creepy sensibility when it comes to what these genre conceits would do to the human body that they become something a little bit different. But at the same time, you can watch Scanners and just enjoy a film about psychics blowing each other's heads up. Mm. Uh, Scanners takes place uh, in this alternate version of Canada where there's all of these shadowy government or perhaps private organizations uh, that are trying to wield a secret cabal of scanners, psychics, yeah. for their own evil ends, and it's about a rogue scanner who is being courted by both, and an evil scanner is trying to come after him, and the evil scanner is played by Michael Ironside. Yeah. Um, and the good scanner is played by no one cares. By some guy. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Beck? No, who no, is it? No, it should um, be Michael Beck. It's not. Uh, it's, David it's, to be. S- Stephen Lack is his name, not Michael yeah. Beck. It should be, should be Michael Beck. I, I, my thing with Scanners is this. I think Scanners is two incredibly great scenes mm-hmm. and a bunch of stuff I don't really remember very well. Well, that's, that's the thing. That's what makes it sort of Cronenbergian because mm. it's more about the conspiracy, actually, than it is about the psychic powers. And so, yeah, there's a lot of slow stuff in the middle. Uh, right in the beginning, of course, everybody knows the, the head exploding scene at the beginning.
0: Oh, it's one of the great Where scenes. A,
1: a guy is trying to... Michael Ironside and uh, another scanner are on TV, like at this mm. sort of symposium with an audience, trying to sort of prove psychic powers... And Michael Ironside scans so hard that the guy's head literally explodes. Well, it's great it because is... it's actually
0: a series of reversals. There's another oh. guy on stage, and they're just like, and this man is psychic, and we'll mm. pick someone from the audience, oh. and he'll, he'll read your mind. And so they pick Michael Ironside, who wasn't a huge actor at the time, so you might mm. not have known where this was going. And they pick Michael Ironside up, and then he scans Michael Ironside, and Michael Ironside starts scanning him back, mm. and all of a sudden his head <laughs> explodes. We yeah. interviewed Michael
1: Ironside once. <laughs> what a great interview that was. Uh, and Because Michael, t- Michael Ironside, what a ge- uh, generous, genuine man. He's just yeah. calm Canadian it dude. He has so yeah. many great
0: anecdotes, and he talked about filming that scene. Uh, they just made a dummy of a guy, and they put a shotgun under the head and shot him, <laughs> and it was full of gore and shit. And they just filmed it in ultra slow motion, and they said... Like, hey, would you mind being in the shot? And he said, yes, I would mind. I'm not going to be in that shot. You're going to
1: shoot that guy on his own. And he was right. Yeah. It, there was, there although, was shrapnel everywhere. It is it is the single best head exploding scene in cinema history. It's got hard to, hard to match that. Maybe, not a lot. Maybe, maybe the Fury. I would actually argue not the Fury because all of him explodes in the Fury. That's true.
0: The Fury is totally... That's not like, just his head; it's his whole body. Fury you know, right? is the only film you can watch in a double feature with Scanners because it's basically the same thing. Mm. But um, so a- Amy Irving is
1: now at a school yeah. for scan. It's a pretty terrible movie.
0: Actually. It's, actually <laughs> it's Brian De Palma's Scanners, mm-hmm. basically. But it ends in a, in a truly amazing moment of spontaneous combustion. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty fucking cool.
1: But, uh, yeah, that one scene is, the whole body, is yeah. really, really terrific. When we talked to Michael Ironside, Michael he is actually a method actor. He gets really, really deep into his roles. Mm. And uh, he said in the interview that he got so deep into the scanner's role that he, like, damaged something in his head. Oh, my God. Like, he scanned so hard he was, like, giving Michael, himself a Michael, you, didn't have, <laughs> well, you, know, you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to do that, Michael. He's devoted to his craft. And if Cronenberg oh says, hey, you're going to explode someone's head, you're in trouble. Oh, my God. But, yeah, and then there's a big sort of confrontation at the end where two people are scanning at each other at the end and that's the the sort of big exploitation movie moment that everybody remembers but this notion that there're psychics among us and that there're all these sort of shadowy conspiracies was actually kind of a new notion in 1981 that mm. that the supernatural exists among us, but it's not something really sort of fun. It's actually something really dark that the government knows about. Well, and that's something that had been in comics for a while. It had been in comics for a while, but this was a 1981 feature film. This was a decade before the X-Files, mm-hmm. and it has that kind of conspiratorial feeling to it. Yeah. Fair uh, enough. I, I like Scanners a lot. It's not my favorite Cronenberg film by a long stretch, but it, I think it's quite a good film. I, I can see it. Mm. Uh, okay, so my next pick... Oh, God. They're all so good. Uh, <laughs> just, all right. I just pick just say Demon Knight. No. Okay, fine. I will say Demon Knight. <laughs> I, I know it's on your list. It's on yours, too, it isn't is. it? Okay. Absolutely it is. It might is. be the only film on both lists. I'd say, so
0: Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight. <laughs> wow. We've talked about this film at length, and we're going to do it again. We, we did um, a
1: commentary track for this movie.
0: A long time ago. Uh, Tales, it was a thing on another podcast. It's not yeah. on the DVD or nothing. Um, Tales from the Crypt, as you probably know, was a hit series of horror comics in the 1950s and they were so popular and so violent that they created the Comics Code Authority to basically censor them out of existence so that no one could compete with Marvel and DC anymore. Mm. That's a thing. Really terrible chapter... In, like, art history. (laughs) It's just really embarrassing (laughs) and terrible for everyone involved. Um, And they brought it back, uh, Robert Zemeckis and Walter Hill and a bunch of other great producers and filmmakers, brought it back as an anthology horror series on HBO in the late 80s and early 90s. uh, One of the best TV series ever made. That is 100% true. Uh, A lot of great actors either got their start on it or wound up on it just because they wanted to just because it was so cool to do like a really classy ultra violent horror
1: movie for, they, like half an hour and they approached a lot of like big classic directors uh, uh just really really well-known names uh schwarzenegger directed an episode tom hanks, uh, directed, tom an hanks episode. directed an episode yeah. Uh they went to scorsese uh, and I love this story because they said they went to Scorsese. Like, would you like to do Tales from the Crypt? He's like, well, that's not really my thing. I don't do supernatural horror movies. I just that's not something I'm interested in. I'm not going to yeah, do it. I wish he would. He's like, it and he's cool. like, but you know, it's based on all these comics. This is something you and I like because they're about the same age as Scorsese. Hmm. Like, it's probably something you read as a kid. It's like, yeah, but you know, no, there's not a story. And as they were walking out, he said, but you know, there was that one story that I read when I was a kid, and as this one, and they and they stayed and they just talked about the comics for Ev- a long time. Everyone loved the comics. And, everyone had a favorite, and I. I think uh, Walter Hill or Zemeckis whoever was talking to him said like they thought they were this close to getting Scorsese for tales <laughs> from the turns out he still had no interest nah. but he just wanted to stay and talk about those comics else, everybody has that one that they remember well, Scorsese is a talker which I love
0: about him he's very yeah. passionate about everything but um Again, if you're too young to remember this, it was a huge hit. There was a cultural, little minor cultural zeitgeist around Tales from the Crypt because it got such huge stars in it and because it was so mm. sort of prurient and outre. Mm. There was a Tales from the Crypt rap song, <laughs> <laughs> which was <laughs> oh, great. They're, they're, the Crypt Jam, look that thing up. It's great. Uh, I have the Crypt Keeper's Christmas record. Oh, God. It's one of you. the worst records ever made. <laughs> it's so bad. Um, and uh, But Tales from the Crypt was so successful uh-huh. that they thought, okay, well, let's maybe spin this brand out into feature films. Now, there had already been Tales from the Crypt movies. Uh-huh. Uh, in the early 70s, there was a film called Tales from the Crypt. It was a horror anthology, which was really good. It's uh-huh. actually a great horror anthology. It's one of the better horror anthology movies. The idea now was to do like done in one horror movies presented by the crypt keeper and now the whole movie
1: is just one tales from the
0: crypt. And story, they would do yeah. and they planned to do a trilogy. And the first and one and was they a ca- huge and, hi- and they kind of did well. The first one was a huge hit. The second one was. Pretty much a dud, and so they ended up waiting many, many years before they did the next one, and ended up going pretty much straight to video, and it was terrible. Well, they,
1: they, they repurposed a different movie. Also,
0: also, The Frighteners was originally going to be a Tales from the Crypt movie. It would have worked just fine. It would have yeah. been a great. It would have been great. I love The Frighteners, yeah. but the first one that they did is not only the best Tales from the Crypt movie, and I even include the original anthology. Mm-hmm. It's a really good, fun <laughs> horror movie called Demon Night about Billy Zane playing a really rapscallion devil demon uh, who mm. imprisons everybody. Like, every, everyone gets sort of trapped in a hotel, <laughs> a whole bunch of disparate, crazy people. Really awesome cast. Thomas Hayden Church is in this thing, Jada Pinkett was in it. Um, and yeah, they're all imprisoned in this house, and they're fighting off demons while Billy Zane is trying to steal their soul, and the reason why is because uh, a a soldier for Christ, literally, has a bottle of Christ's blood, literally, and it's the only that
1: blood that can, like, prevent mm. the apocalypse, literally. And yeah, and it, but it has, awesome! It, it has like sort of this comic book. De- like n- nobody's oh, yeah. nobody's holding. Like it's inside this gigantic vial, which is also a key of some kind. And yeah. uh, whoever's holding it can't be hurt by the evil demon monsters, which look really cool, by the way. Because oh, it's a yeah. like, combination of actors and puppets. Uh, if you spill some blood on a doorway, nobody can go through that doorway, and yeah. so it, it has a, a lot of good horror movie elements. But it's really kind of a comic book movie more that, than anything. No, it's one hundred percent. It's a yeah. horror
0: action kind of hybrid. Yeah, um, but it's just really well crafted from beginning to end. It's Got shot a really well. W- Ernest, w- wonderful
1: character. Ernest actors, Dickerson yeah.
0: wrote, uh, directed that one, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, great filmmaker. Um, he was also, I think, he was the DP on Do the Right Thing oh was he I believe so I'll double double check that that. Um, but uh, yeah so it's a movie that I think has a fair amount of a cult like I think people know and respect it but if you've never actually sat down yeah Ernest Dickerson yeah you're right Uh, If you've never actually sat down Mm. and watched Tales of the Crypt Demon Knight, you are missing out on a genuine treat of a motion picture. (laughs) Like, it's a really, really, really good Mm. schlocky, but it knows exactly what it is. Yeah. Horror movie, and I, I dig it. It's
1: one of my favorite films yeah. of its kind. I, I think it definitely captures the spirit of the show while kind of upping. It's like high octane tales from the crypt. Well, it doesn't have the ironic ending. You know, that's like the, yeah. Every well, tales from the
0: crypt is about some morality form of, tales. Yeah, yeah, some form of morality. Someone does something mm-hmm. wicked, and then it gets turned back around on them, and yeah. that's pretty much it. So it doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, yeah, it captures the tone really, really well. Like right. more so than Bordello of Blood, mm-hmm. which has its charms. But it's a, it's cheaper, and B, it's it's not so
1: it's much a, like t- it's not so much Tales from the weird. Crypt as it is Cinemax. It, well, it's it's, just, it's definitely way more prurient, and there was definitely that prurient element to the Tales from the Crypt show. But they it never was one like, of the few shows that had nudity on the regular and yeah. sex on the regular. I know uh, when we were in high school, and you know this was pre-internet porn. Mm. You know, if we wanted to get nudity, it was rare. Yeah, you had to we stand wanted, past if we, eleven. If you and watch wanted the, the, the movies with nudity in them, you know, mm. if you're a, a horny young lad, then yeah, you would watch Tales from the Crypt. And I feel like Bordello of Blood was rolling with that
0: aspect of it. I just feel and like that wasn't that wasn't the right play. <clears throat> I, I think they should have made a smarter film.
1: I like Bordello of Blood just fine. I like it for its dumbness. Yeah, I, I
0: don't think, I don't think I, any, and
1: I, I do like the cast in that. Dennis I, Miller is perfectly miscast as a private investigator because he clearly doesn't want to be there. And in fact, Dennis Miller went on all of like the late night talk shows to hype the movie and was telling people not to see it and then it was a piece of crap. Exactly. They, maybe and, that was bad casting. Mm, <laughs> maybe they shouldn't have gone with that. But they, yeah, as the, the tel- televangelist, they got uh, Chris Sarandon. Who's He's always really game. Great. And uh, Angie Everhart, also her fun. real name, by the way, uh, who mm. previously a model, yeah, played like the vampire lord, so the, the vampire mistress. I'm not saying it's without its charms. Mm-hmm. I just think it was a step in the wrong right direction. No, anyway, right, let's move on. All right, um, Split was a surprise. Oh, that's another one that's on mine. It, it, it was a, a recent film. Uh, yeah, M Night Shyamalan was uh, kind of on the outs in sort of the genre film fan community. A lot of people were coming down hard on his films. Uh, I think the happening is fine. I don't um, think it's fine. I think it's fun.
0: Okay. I don't think it's actually well-constructed or anything. I, and I, I think, think the performances <clears throat> are baffling.
1: I think the performances are fine. I like the conceit. I think the suicide scenes are genuinely harrowing. The first, and the first
0: bit's really good. I'll give you that. That first bit where and, like and everyone the, starts mysteriously killing
1: mm, themselves—that whole bit's really scary. And, and the con, the actual conceit that it's uh, growing plants that are just sort of causing madness around the world is not a bad one. I don't know why people came down on that element. Uh, Mark Wahlberg is sort of goofy, and Mark Wahlberg doesn't know what he's doing. I think M. Night Shyamalan has a really weird sense of humor and he tries to put it into his movies so you're never really sure if he's making a horror film or a comedy film. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of comic elements to something like The Happening. I thought Lady in the Water was a comedy the first time <laughs> I saw it. I
0: didn't realize he was being totally earnest totally about that Totally earnest stuff. in that movie. It's so weird. Yeah, uh, anyway, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about Split. Uh, but we're talking about Split. Uh, he, which we actually mentioned really briefly when we talked about the worst movies of the year yeah. because it ended up leading to Glass, which wasn't which was as good. Of, yeah. But Split kicks ass. Yeah, Split is also a my Split list. is, yeah, because
1: yeah, he... he Imagine made a bunch of movies, but he came kind of came back with a visit, and then he made Split. So he made two really good films in a row. And Split doesn't understand uh, multiple personalities at all. It mm. doesn't understand psychology at all. It has sort of a comic booky tone, but that's fine for a January film. Yeah. Uh, also, it doesn't hurt that James McAvoy is just swinging for the walls and hitting every one of them. <laughs> he, he just knocks it out of the park in this one. Uh, he is wonderful as a man who has multiple personalities. One of the personalities is kidnapping young women and doing God knows what to them. But uh, through the conversations that the young women have with... The various James McAvoys, we learn of a few, per- like what his real personality is, like the original personality, a little bit about his trauma. A little bit about what's coming as well, because there's evidently this one being inside of him that they call the beast.
0: That the other personalities the other, worship or fear. Yeah. Which the, is a creepy idea. It's, it's <laughs> this
1: really creepy idea. And yeah, what's, what is going to happen when the beast shows up? So it's this really wonderful bit of tension. What is going to happen when the mm-hmm. beast shows up? What's it going to look like? And it's a real low budget film, mm-hmm. too. Like it almost
0: all takes it's place all in like, in like yeah, three yeah. rooms. And um, yeah, it, it's very effective. It all boils down to. James McAvoy throwing himself into every different persona. And Anya Taylor-Joy in particular, who had just Mm. uh, emerged uh, in The Witch, which is a brilliant motion picture, um, being able to match him. Yeah. Being able to, like, stick, because there are other characters, but it's mostly those two. And it's just her being able to keep up with James McAvoy, who is swinging for, you're right, swinging for everything. Mm. Um, It's creepy. It's simple, which I appreciate, like some of the problems with Lady in the Water or The Happening is that they were kind of weirdly elaborate and you sort of lost track of what's the actual human thing I'm supposed to be connecting to in these Mm -hmm. movies. Split has got that mm-hmm. It's very effective It's actually about something When you realize How it's handling um, How it's characters Respond to trauma mm-hmm. oh, yeah, tra- and it, Trauma and abuse yeah, And yeah. it has One of Shyamalan's Best twists <laughs> There's a really good twist At the end of that movie And, and it well, recontext- and what, I, what I like is that It recontextualizes everything And now without- All the criticisms I had No longer apply Because it, it's now In a different universe
1: yeah. You yeah. know, it's now it's
0: a different, it's totally different tone than what I thought it mm-hmm. was. And now all the things I was mad about with like how it was treating mental illness, so I'm like,
1: oh, I oh, get wow. it. Okay. I'm all okay. right. All right. Fair enough. I'm Fair okay. Enough. I'm okay. okay with the way you were mishandling mental illness because now it's in a new universe. It's, so it's, it's, it's yeah. in this very specific context. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, it's still arguably responsible, but in this specific context, I can go with it. Yeah, yeah. Because you're playing fair. You just, I just and didn't then, know what game we were playing mm-hmm. until the last scene.
1: That's fun. And then they promised us this big crossover movie where the characters from Glass and the characters from Unbreakable were going to meet, and it sucked. It, it really just, it was disappointing. It so bad. It was really
0: disappointing. They made it for
1: $50. But Split's
0: great, and Split mm-hmm. works on its own. Yeah. Like I guess if you'd never seen like Unbreakable... Part of it might be kind of baffling, but like for the most part, it's just really fucking awesome. Yeah, and yeah, I, like yeah. Split. I debated making that my number one actually okay. just because it was everyone had kind of written off M. Night Shyamalan. Like the visit was good, but can he do it again? Mm-hmm. And uh, everyone in the theater was like, holy fucking shit, Shyamalan's back, everybody. This is mm-hmm. awesome. Hmm. All right, uh, my next pick is another one that's. um Ostensibly a horror movie, but I feel like this also has a very comic booky, adventurous mm. vibe. And it's a movie that I find myself surprisingly able to return to a lot and always having fun. It is, of course, mm. Warlock. Warlock came out in January? Warlock oh, is oh, I great! Love January.
1: I love January, <laughs> I love January <laughs> Warlock. I love January Warlock. <laughs> I love Warlock. Warlock is cool. I've Uh, I've read the novelization of Warlock. (laughs) Warlock is a movie
0: that was kind of an unexpected hit when it came out. It led to two sequels. Hmm. 1 was kind of watchable but very stupid and the other one's just terrible. It's the, the
1: second set cuz I saw Warlock the Arm again. There was movies, there was a yeah. there was a
0: straight to video I think it was a straight to video one. I think Bruce Payne took over in that one. Oh, it wasn't Julian Sands. No, I think oh. if it was it would have helped. But well, no, like the, Forget it then. Yeah, no one no one needs to see Warlock 2 is so bad it's kind of fun. Like mm-hmm. there's some crazy bits in it and there's some weird, you know, Jedi training shit or whatever people are trying to fight the Warlock. Um, Warlock 3 is not worth watching. Do not watch Warlock 3. Oh, okay. uh, but Warlock 1 is great and it holds up really, really good. So, uh,
1: Richard E. Movie, Richard yeah. E. Grant plays the dashing hero. Yeah. Yes. In, in the novelization, now the novelizations go with the screenplay. Yeah. So, so I can te- tell you in the screenplay, he was supposed to be like this gigantic Liam Neeson type. Yeah. Supposed to be this big, kind of tough bruiser with a long beard. And they cast Richard E. Grant, mm-hmm. the drunk from With Nail and I
0: However, Richard E. Grant. Grant is a really wonderful and versatile actor, and he mm. totally nails it. Richard A. Grant plays a witch hunter uh, in the, what was like, it, like the late 1600s? The, I think it's like earlier than that. It's like the 13th century. It's a no, long no, time no. ago. No, no, no. It's in America, though. It's, it's in America. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. So it's in it's an early colonialist mm. America, and uh, he has, there's a warlock he has been killing a bunch of people. I think he killed his wife. And uh, he's captured the warlock, thank God. Mm. It's all chained up. But the warlock... Turns out this isn't like the Crucible where witches aren't real. Totally real. Mm -hmm. He makes a deal with the devil. The devil sends him away through a time vortex where he ends up in nineteen like eighty nine or nineteen ninety or whatever year this takes place. Okay, and Richard E. Grant follows him. Mm -hmm. So turns out the warlock is. Has to find the Grand Grimoire, which is is basically the Necronomicon, the big book of the dead, and in the Grand Grimoire, which is the Devil's Bible, if you can assemble the entire thing, and it has long since been split into pieces, if you can assemble the entire thing, it will give you the word of the actual, official, original, honest birth certificate name of God, Mm. and if you say Mm. that name backwards, it unmakes reality, (laughs) So Richard E. Grant's <laughs> got to find this fucking
1: thing first, and also stop the warlock mm. in a world with, where no one believes that magic is real. With the with the help of 1989 new wave chick Laurie Singer, <laughs> who is not the best part of the movie, but she's trying. Well, she the. The conceit of the Laurie Singer character is that uh, when she first runs into the warlock, he puts a, a curse on her mm-hmm. that at mi- the stroke of midnight, every single day, she'll age 20 years. I think it's, it's 20. Or it's 20 years. It's 20 years. Yeah. yeah. So, so she's only got a couple of days she's to on, find him before she, she dies she, of old age. Yeah, she's only 20 years old. So, yeah, she's got like four days before she's mm-hmm. she dies of old age. Uh, and the problem is they put like really bad old age makeup on Laurie Singer. Maybe Mm -hmm. they should have cast new actresses, especially like when she gets to 60 and 80.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, whatever. It doesn't doesn't really work. It
1: doesn't quite work. I mean, it's a neat conceit. It works. Visually, it it, doesn't quite work. Yeah, it does. But
0: however, Richard E. Grant is selling the shit out of this. Mm. Julian Sands is really creepy in this movie. Like, he's slithering. He's so sexy. This is a really sexy time to be Julian Sands, which is most times. Well, I was about to say, from, from Julian Sands' birth onward. But in any case, he's a very, very, very alluring guy. But. The first movie, it's really not afraid to make him creepy as fuck. There's a scene where he, like, meets a young boy on the side of the road, and everyone else is at this church, mm. and he's just playing on a swing. And he's like, why aren't you in church? And he's like, oh, you know, everyone else is in church, but we don't we don't go to church. It's like, And then he finds out the kid was never baptized. Mm. And he goes, interesting. And then the next thing you see is him melting the child's fat into a, into <laughs> in a, a coffee, flying It's potion. like a
1: caff- coffee can. Yeah, into, like, a mm. flying
0: potion. And, like, I, you don't see what happened, but you know, like, they explicitly say that if you, like, render the fat of an unbaptized child... <laughs> <laughs> you is make one, a flying
1: are, potion. It's wonderful, unholy stuff. Really
0: creepy. And there's this whole bit with um, um, Mary Waranov where she plays a psychic. Oh yeah, He yeah. finds out isn't a real psychic, but he like unspeakable things happen to her eyes, and it's so gross. It's a really cool, scary, but also kind of action packed and funny because there's fish out of water jokes. It's really good. Like we're like we're like I'm going to use a, a word the kids use. Hmm. Warlock slaps It's lit Yeah Warlock fucks
1: <laughs> <laughs> It's a really good movie I like Warlock a lot Alright let's move on that's, that's, I, I saw it at just the right age um, In the spirit of Warlock One that came out uh, in January of The following year Was uh, uh, Tremors oh, Also um, on my list Yeah Tremors is One of the better B movies Ever One of, one of the better monster movies Just, just period yeah, yeah it's
0: I was going uh, to save it for my second to last because it's like almost my number one, yeah, but like it's, it's so it's, fucking it's good. It's
1: really, 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 really good. Um, Ron Underwood directed it. It stars Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward and the whole cast, really. Rebecca McIntyre, most notably Michael Gross as Burt Gummer, who has turned into this sort of uh, Ash figure in the horror movie Cult Circuit mm-hmm. imagine if Tackleberry mm-hmm. from the Police Academy movies mm-hmm. had his own
0: horror movie franchise where he yeah. fought where he fought underground monsters yeah, so he's, he's awesome
1: in, he's in all of the movies he's in the TV series mm-hmm. uh, when they talked about we're going to do a new TV it's... series and Kevin Bacon's coming back it's Like you did one <laughs> don't, don't undo Burt Gummer Burt Gummer's great just
0: bring <laughs> Kevin Bacon back he's fine yeah. and just say he's been doing things while Burt Gummer's oh, been doing Michael things Michael
1: Gross is in his 70s but he's game he's still he's, an energetic he's, performer I think they're yeah. making another one I'm like, cool. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the the monster they invented was really, really cool. They're these blind subterranean worms that are about 50 feet long. The size of a bus. Yeah, they're just these enormous things that can sense where you are based on uh, vibrations in the ground. So your footfalls attract this monster. They're a lot like the sandworms from Dune, but not quite as big. Yeah, Pretty much. And they they reach up with these little tendrils through the earth and just drag you underground. And it's really cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, It becomes essentially the... The Floor is Lava, the horror movie, where <laughs> everybody has to stay off the ground, which is a difficult thing to do. Yeah. And, and I think the filmmakers are incredibly clever about it, and all of the characters have so much personality and so much intelligence mm-hmm. that you buy that, A, they'd think those things up, B, they'd have trouble executing those things, and just sort of their emotional reaction to the fact that there's monsters around. It's incredibly fun. Uh, it has a you know, just a wonderful cast all around. Do you know Mom and Tremors mm-hmm. played... Uh the mother-in-law in Eraser Head? <laughs> I didn't. That's amazing. Or no, not not mother-in-law. She played the um the, 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 the woman girlfriend. across the hall. Oh the girl from oh, across yeah, no, the girl from across the I woman from that. across
0: the hall in Eraserhead Head was in Tremors. That's amazing. <laughs> I miss the days when all of these like kind of genre pictures, not like the R-rated stuff, but like the anyone can enjoy. Hmm. They were treated like grand ensemble movies. Like you look at like the ensemble you got for something like Gremlins. Oh, there you go. Or you look at the ensemble they got for another Joe Dante movie, The Burbs. But you look at the ensemble they got for Tremors. There's a ton of characters. They all have a moment. They all have little subplots and elements of character. No one is wasted, and they all get to interact. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, a lot of horror movies or genre movies are about one, two, or maybe three people, and no one believes them, and they're all just running around in isolated areas. Tremors is about a community, That is attacked by monsters, and that gives it... Perfection Nevada. That gives it a really fun vibe, and the writing is really sharp. Uh, Ron Underwood directed this, Mm -hmm. and he was a really good filmmaker there, especially in that time period.
1: Ron Underwood also did a really wonderful film uh, from... Mm. Few, it was like 92 Just a few years after yeah. Called Heart and Souls Heart really delightful uh, which movie Which is It's one of those films That like I saw multiple times In theaters And I really fell in love with And we quoted it In our household mm-hmm. And it just sort of Vanished from the pop consciousness It wasn't even available On home video for a long time
0: If you've never seen yeah. Heart and Souls I don't think it came out In January But it's still a really mm. fun movie 93 uh, I'm looking it up 93 yeah, Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, plays a guy who, when he was a child, had a whole bunch of invisible friends. And his invisible friends were played by, um, uh, who are we? I'm trying to think well, of what, we, well, what I'm, I'm explaining the premise oh, okay But yeah. I'm, I'm giving you the premise. Right. He had all these
1: invisible friends, and they were played by, like, what was it? Michael Madsen was it, one. No, no, and, it was, it was um, Tom Sizemore. Char- it was Charles Greid- Gordon, Charles Gordon mm-hmm. Tom Sizemore, Alfred Woodard, and Curious Sedwick. <laughs>
0: great, great, yeah. great cast. And they were all, like, his friends. And it turns out those were not his invisible friends, those were ghosts. And a they were all sort of connected a to him. Bus wreck, and, yeah. and it turns out that the reason why he could see those ghosts was all of them had died with like unfinished business, and even God admits that kind of sucked. Mm. So he they gave him like an oppor- them all an opportunity to like talk to this child, and maybe this child can help you sort of r- resolve everything so you can move on. Mm. And then the bus to pick them up and pr- take them to heaven was decades late, oh, and okay. now he's just like, okay, well, I assume you did all your business with Robert Danny Junior, and now you get to go. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> (laughs) You never explained why we were connected to that kid. The angel never came down and explained? We never got an angel? What are you talking about? shit. Okay, listen, I can give you 24 hours. So now they have 24 hours to... A, convince Robert Downey Jr. he's not crazy,
1: mm. and B, get him to resolve all of their unfinished business, uh, and it's really fun. Well, not, and not just that, but they take possession of his body, yeah. which means Robert Downey Jr. gives maybe one of his best performances yeah. in playing all of these different characters played by other actors. His scene where he plays Alfred Woodard is great. Really funny. Uh, Charles Grodin played a singer who never got his big break. Mm-hmm. He always wanted to sing, and they break into a B.B. King concert. <laughs> (laughs) And Robert Downey Jr. is great because he sings the Star-Spangled Banner. Yeah. It's really wonderful. Uh, Oh, golly, it's so good. People are talking about giving Robert Downey Jr. Oh, nominate nominated him for an Oscar for Avengers. No, go back to 1993. (laughs) Pay attention, damn it. He's been a good actor this whole time.
0: Anyway, um, but I digress. Yeah, you're right. Tremors is really amazing, and it was very, very close uh, uh, to my uh, number one. In fact, there's so many films in my like runners up mm-hmm. that I'm like, is this too good to be on my list? Whatever. I, I bet I can guess your number one. I bet you can. I bet I can. Oh, you don't think I can? I don't think you can. But okay. it's on, we're not there yet. I have one uh, more. Well, I have one more on my. Okay. Well, what's my next? number two? Uh, well, not number number two. Just the last one I got. Mm-hmm. So this could have been anywhere on the list. Um, is a movie I didn't discover until relatively recently, mm-hmm. and when I watched it, I'm like, why the fuck wasn't I watching this for the last 20 years? This movie is fantastic. <laughs> Deep Rising.
1: <laughs> Deep Rising is okay. <laughs> Deep Rising is wonderful. You shut your mouth. It's, Deep Rising was, was the movie that Steven Summers made before he got, made it big with the Mummy movies? Yeah. You
0: can tell why. Like They're totally, tonally in the same universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deep Rising is one of the great sea monster movies. And there's only mm-hmm. like three. <laughs> there's only like three great um, sea monster Deep movies. Deep
1: Star 6, Leviathan, maybe. Uh, no, no. You know. I
0: would say Leviathan, Deep Star 6, maybe. Uh, okay. I, just re- I just re-watched them. Leviathan holds it's up been, way better than Deep been Star 6. It's been a while 6. since I've seen Eye Deep Star but, uh, 6 is an amazing monster but Leviathan's the better film. Yeah. And then well, would, Leviathan is just alien underwater, and Deep Star 6 has that crab thing, right? Uh, Leviathan is, is alien underwater, except the alien is the alien from the thing. So it's yeah, really okay, crazy, yeah. bizarre, mm. m- different monsters all the time. And Deep Star 6 is they're just fighting one giant crab monster. It just mm. Leviathan's a better production, but they're very mm-hmm. similar films. Um, D- Deep Rising is about uh, a group of thieves who
1: hire uh, Treat Williams mm. Peak charming Treat Williams, by the way <laughs> Treat Williams is always great So you mean Treat Williams ha- is in front of a camera Yes <laughs> I never <laughs> understood why Treat Williams wasn't a bigger star He's a delight in everything Watch, uh, watch The Phantom at some point A lot yeah. of people think it's a cheap movie And it's like a little too casual I think it's an enjoyable He took over film. the
0: Substitute franchise uh, From Tom Berenger And he's even better so. <laughs> He's fun But uh, Treat Williams plays a, a, a ship's captain uh, he is hired uh, by a bunch of thieves to take him to take them to a big ocean liner. He doesn't realize they're thieves, uh, and then they're gonna break into the ocean liner and hijack it and steal all the money from all the rich people. But well, once they get there, everyone's been killed by sea monsters. <laughs> And the only people they like find are like the asshole who runs the ship and Famke Jansen, who was a sexy cat burglar, who is also trying to steal everything. (laughs) And everyone is larger than life. Kevin J. O'Connor is in. I
1: love Kevin J. O'Connor. Of course he is. uh,
0: The monsters. The CGI isn't great, but they find really playful mm -hmm. ways to use the monsters and like keep them in the walls so you don't see them all the time. And um, it's just got this perfect adventurous tone. And I see a lot of people Mm -hmm. looking back at the Mummy. And saying how great The
1: Mummy is. Stephen Sommers' Mummy, mm. I mean. First of all, The Mummy is not great, all it's, right? It's, the it's, Mummy is perfectly enjoyable. It's likable. It's a very likable film. That's what it I would is, call it. It is totally charming, wonderful, wonderfully mm. enjoyable adventure film. It is not great cinema. No, no, no. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, this is like the third best Indiana Jones movie. No, it is
0: not. It's a fun movie, and I, I don't <laughs> have major objections to yeah. The Mummy. But if you like The Mummy, I think Deep Rising is way better. I think it is... Just as, you know, flip and sexy and clever and has all the cool, fun monster stuff, it's just not really held down by anything. There's just a ton of really crazy, inventive stuff, and the sequel tease mm. that they leave us with. The sequel in- tease is the thing you'll, you'll remember about Deep Rising. Deep Rising, because then all of a sudden it opens it up to, like, ah, oh, Deep Rising should have had a fucking sequel. I just, <laughs> instead of The Mummy, if we'd had a Deep Rising sequel, it would have been way better It would have been awesome is what it would have been. Mm. But instead, we got The Mummy. The Mummy is fine. The Mummy is fine. The Mummy is fine. I prefer Deep Rising. Mm. And if you like The Mummy and you haven't seen Deep Rising, see Deep Rising. It's clearly the film that got Stephen Summers the job making The Mummy. Mm. Because it's a lot of
1: fun. Stephen Summers also did The Mummy Returns. He also did Van Helsing. He did -hmm. uh, a certain kind of... Slick clunky Giganto thriller That uh um, G.I. Joe The yeah, Whatever the first G.I. Joe the Rise of the Silver Super Rise of the Cobra yeah. Rise of the um, Cobra Yeah They're all rising Aren't they yeah. Everybody's rising My gorge rises at it Pfft.
0: Uh How many have we got left On your list uh, I, I have a bunch Let me let well, not, Did you get it. through the ten Or
1: like Yeah, yeah I think so um. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to to steer us toward the schlock. Well, okay. The 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 because I only have my number one left, uh, and then a bunch of honorable mentions. Okay. Well, my my. Okay, I'll say my number one, and I'm predicting it's also yours. Okay. Is it taken? It is not. It's not taken. I'm surprised. Yeah. Okay. I knew you'd pick it, so I did. not oh, Okay. Well, fair. <laughs> taken. <laughs> taken is a cult hit now. It's shown at like midnight screenings. People know Taken. Uh, taken came out, and it kind of blew people away quietly, slowly. It built the way cult films ought to, by word of mouth, by slow discovery over the course of many years— Um, It is It made money It was a hit It is an irresponsible father's power fantasy Mm -hmm. Put on the screen Inherently fascist Yeah Inherently pro-America America America has every right to destroy anyone who isn't American If you fuck with us once (laughs) It takes the curse off of it because uh, America, as far as I know, has never had any kind of particular beef with Albania And the bad guys are (laughs) Albanians so, you know, it's, it's not drawing at any kind of, like, actual cultural hatred, but it's hugely racist. Of course it is. Uh, yeah, it's about a, a dad who's kind of on... This is, yeah, it's sort of like a divorced dad's fantasy. Yeah. I can't see my kid. The stepdad is Xander Berkeley, and he's much richer than I am. Mm-hmm. My hot ex-wife is absconding with my teenage daughter. I'm drifting away. All I have left are my drinking buddies. What if my drinking buddies were also CIA agents and I was a CIA guy and I had all kinds of powers and also I'm friends with a pop star all of
0: a sudden. And also and, yeah. like the reason why I was absentee right. and the reason why they rejected me as a family
1: was I was saving America I was, I was over too, and over again. I was too good being a CIA agent. I and that's was the too reason. heroic. It, it had nothing to do with my drinking. And, uh, <laughs> And all of a sudden, I, I have a, 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 and I'm, and oh no, my teenage daughter is about to go out of town. Well, but I know what's gonna happen. All of these bad guys, all of these horrible people are just gonna take her at the airport and, 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 st- Kidnapper and I get a better warner, you gotta take a gun, and, oh no, it actually happened! Yeah, it's <laughs> well, luck- every divorced dad's yeah. fantasy. And now, luckily, I have the skills to go murder a bunch of people and rescue my daughter. Everything and my, I was and paranoid about is... My life is so much better. Everything I was uh,
0: paranoid about is yeah. real. All of my flaws aren't actually flaws, it's just that I'm too damn awesome, yeah. and I get to prove how awesome I was to my family <laughs> by doing all of the awesome things they took for granted in mm-hmm. the first place, and if they'd appreciated me in the first place, we wouldn't be in this mess. It is so irresponsible.
1: <laughs> it, is, it is one of the more morally irresponsible films out there. And yet. It I, works, I think it, despite of its moral and kind of because of its moral ir- irresponsibility. It just sells that so hard and plays into it so hard. And Liam Neeson sells the part so well. Brian Wells, is <laughs> Brian, is Wells or Mills, or Mills. Sorry, yeah. Brian Mills. Brian, yeah, as, as the sort of he is so resolute and he is so imposing and he is so brazen in his acts of violence that you just get swept up in this irresponsible dad fantasy. Uh, there's a scene where he finds that the cops are hiding, the local cops in Paris where he's running around, yeah. are hiding information from him. So he goes to their the guy's house and shoots his wife <laughs> at the dinner table. <laughs> Doesn't kill her, but he does shoot her to get him to give the information. It's like, uh, okay, in action movies, you're used to a hero that has some kind of moral code and won't go that far. There's something kind of refreshing about a guy who will just cut through the crap and just shoot a woman at her own dinner table. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty spectacular. And this is as someone who did not like, doesn't like the Rambo movies, doesn't mm-hmm. like a lot of revenge movies. But when it goes that far, when it's just balls to the wall, moral well, irresponsibility, like, taken is you know just a cousin of Commando at that point. Mm-hmm. And Commando is was maybe the er ur- example of this kind of. American Superman murdering foreigners to get back at uh, kidnapping. Yeah. Like, somebody kidnaps your daughter, that gives you moral license to murder as many people as you like. You can kill a
0: whole country, and it's like,
1: fair enough, you took Alyssa Milano. (laughs) (laughs) Oops, I dropped something. Yeah, don't do that. Sorry about that. Okay. Well, listen. I agree That's with taken, you on all yeah. those points. We we did a commentary track for Taken. We talked about all of this stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah Taken and, is is pretty wonderfully, awfully wonderful. I,
0: I almost picked like instead of Taken uh-huh. and I didn't pick this this isn't on my list but it's on my runners up uh, The Grey which is another yeah, one which is up as well. I, I appreciate The Grey because it is about sort of challenging mm-hmm. masculinity in cinema in a lot mm-hmm. of ways and um, also finding it wanting
1: in a lot of ways yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's explicitly about atheism which mm-hmm. is you know an interesting message to put in a January thriller it's a, a good yeah. film
0: and it made my runners up uh-huh. but if we're talking about Taken those, that's kind of the ultimate Liam Neeson double feature if you ask me uh, my number one film is a film that doesn't get talked about a lot and is a film that was I think mismarketed Mm -hmm. Uh, I think a lot of people went into this movie expecting a goofy wacky Ace Ventura private detective story and instead Mm -hmm. if they actually went into a theater and saw zero effect Oh, Zero Effect is pretty good. They will find that Zero Effect is mm. fucking great. I reviewed Zero Effect for my college newspaper. Wow, that's that's a time trap. Okay, <laughs> so this is back in 1998. Mm. Uh, this is back in that brief period of time when Bill Pullman was a bigger actor than Ben Stiller. Uh, Bill Pullman plays a introverted, uh, agoraphobic mm. genius who... Is a private detective and he has developed many legends of how incredible his feats are, even though he never leaves his apartment. Mm. Uh, his assistant is played by Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller is his point man, he does all the interviewing, he does everything he's got to do. And uh, in their latest assignment, uh, Ryan O'Neill has hired them to find his keys. <laughs> He can't find Mm. his keys. He's got to find them. It's a life or death thing. He's got to find his keys. And he refuses to tell Bill Pullman and Ben Stiller anything else. And they're both just like, you know, we're going to find this. We do this all the time. And it turns out they have this incredibly long history of solving crimes with weirdly elaborate names. Mm. Like, remember the case of the guy who made too many mistakes and wore a red hat? (laughs) (laughs) They have all these weird, like, Mm. elaborate backstories with each other. And... The idea is that the case is so weird and unusual that Bill Pullman actually has to come out of his apartment to solve it. Mm. And that thrusts him into social and emotional situations he's completely unprepared for. He's a a complete agoraphobe. He's a genius, but when it comes time to actually talk to women, he doesn't know how to do that. And I don't mean in some corny, goofy way, I mean, it's just like he doesn't know how to communicate like a person. Mm -hmm. He has no conceivable way. And as he starts investigating the crime, he finds himself challenged in ways he never thought he could before. And it ends up taking what was a wacky comedy premise and ending up being a very serious and extremely effective and wonderful character study of a guy who is unlike other people and has challenges unlike other people face. It's weirdly romantic. It's really sad the mystery is actually a really rock-solid, well-crafted mystery. Like, if you liked
1: Knives Out and you appreciated Mm. how twisty-turny it was, Mm. there's a lot of that here. Zero it's, Effect is very, very clever. It's been a while since I've seen Zero Effect. The thing I didn't like about it is actually how low energy it was. I see. I now, that. I Now, again, I was in college. I was like yeah. nineteen. I probably wanted something a little bit more high octane. Well, that's but, not the yeah. thing.
0: I think it was mismarketed as something that would be because mm-hmm. the the marketing campaign was all Bill Pullman like in his apartment playing guitar really, really badly and like throwing things at Ben Stiller. I and you it was think it's be a, a little broad. You yeah. thought it was going to be a, a Ben Stiller kind of comedy,
1: and it's not. It's actually it's like it is a, it's a downbeat kind of indie drama. It's
0: very mature. Bill Pullman is a guy this is about him actually like potentially finding love mm-hmm. with someone who is a suspect in his latest case and it is about a 40-something man just making an emotional connection. Mm-hmm. Everything else is kind of secondary. It's kind of hard to put this one in a box. It's clearly a private detective story, but it's not a thriller. No. It's funny. But it's not a comedy It's dramatic But you can't call it a straight drama Because it's just too quirky and weird Hmm. It's hard to say what You'd call zero effect And as a result I sympathize with the studio For throwing it in January Because we don't know what to do with this thing We don't know what happened here We don't know how it got made But it's wonderful And it's unlike a lot of other things That you've probably seen If you've never seen it before I think this is Bill Pullman's best performance Mm -hmm. Um, It's really, 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 really good.
1: And uh, I'm glad I was able to highlight it. Oh, I'm, I'm glad you rediscovered it. a I, I haven't, I, yeah, like I said, I haven't watched it since the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen it a few times need, since, and really, it holds up. Okay, I need to see if it holds up. It I, holds up I know really uh, the director, Jake Kasdan, his next film also came out in January, and it was Orange County mm-hmm. with Colin Hanks and Jack Black. And I think that was sort of a a, a sweet little film about the pressures of the modern student and uh, college uh, politics. I like that movie a lot. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's, gonna, it's, it's about a, like... a kid who wants to get out of Orange County, California, and go to like a prestigious college. But his slacker brother sent the wrong transcripts, which means and his which means his impeccable transcripts won't be seen by the college board. So he actually needs to like break into the college dorm like boardrooms and, and switch sort, papers around, and yeah. that's like a wacky road comedy. Yeah, has a Skylar Fisk in it. I, really it's really really good. It'd be really good double feature with Booksmart. Yeah.
0: Because it's yeah. all about people who are like these really like academic types who all of a sudden over the course of like one night mm. um, have all of their presumptions challenged mm. um, and grow up a lot. It's
1: it's good play. Um, mm. All right. It's one of Harold Ramis's last acting roles, if I recall. Of memory serves. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about some. Mm. I, got, I got more than enough yeah, well, I, I tried, uh, runners up because here. Because you said like because you were angling more schlocky, I, I couldn't mention something like City of God, which is yeah. Yeah, one, one of the best films well, of the you, decade. You but could it's, have. Yeah, I could have. Yeah. Uh, same with. Yeah. Same with MASH. Same with Dr. Strangelove. Mm-hmm. Um, same with Alive. You see Alive. I've never actually seen all of Alive. Yeah, about the, the Uruguayan football team that crashes mm. in the Andes and have—or, it's not the Andes. They crash in the mountains. And, uh, yeah, it's just about how they survive and how they have to deal with dwindling resources. A lot of people remember it because it's the cannibalism movie, and in real life they actually had to eat some of their uh, felled compatriots to stay alive, and— it's not played up for, you know, any kind of anything really kind of gross. They think, well, you know, that's our that's a food source. We really, just You know, if we're going to stay alive, let's just do it. <laughs> it's like, okay, fine. And yeah, it's actually kind of a casual decision for them and they end up sort of trekking beyond the crash site and finding civilization and getting help. Mm. And it's just a good survival tale. Right. Um, that's cool. I, there's uh, one guy who has been assigned t- uh, to repair the radio in the plane so they can radio somebody. And the only reason he's been assigned to repair the radio is because he helped his sister like hook up a speaker to her stereo once, <laughs> and, and like that's his only qualification. So he's constantly like, "I don't know how to do this, guys. <laughs> like, You're the only one with the experience. No, look at these. It's like holding up fifty wires. I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> Just keep on working on it. Fine. And you know what? He ends up making it work. <laughs> well, good for him. What else you got? This is a run through uh, a little fast. I, I like also let, uh, mentioned the Gray. Um, mm. the, the Paddington movies are just sweet, wonderful mm. films. I feel
0: like they're so acclaimed now that putting them on, for me, putting yeah. them on there was a little
1: too obvious. I, uh, but they're, they're really delightful. Th- they're they're delightful movies. I, it, I prefer the original, actually. I'm, I'm kind of low on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little baffled, yeah, by sort of the way critics have sort of glommed as hard as they have, especially on Paddington Two. But on both of these movies, they're delightful films. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're it's about impossible as, to be depressed while you watch these. Movies. Uh, yeah. They're, so they're, they're about so as nice. good as Babe Pig in the City but uh, they're no also Babe. <laughs> <laughs> babe and Babe Pig in the City are that's, both great actually. That's fine. They're, yeah. they're all delightful. Uh, Before Sunrise the original Linklater film came out in January. Actually I forgot about that yeah, one. It one wonderful sweet walk and talk film Linklater doing what he does best just watching people converse mm-hmm. and having interesting conversations because they're interesting people. I miss that. Yeah. I, I, I Did you see did you see the, the um, South Side with you? I did. No, that's another one that had that vibe. Yeah, it yeah. Really nice. well, uh, and I, I was promised that with the two popes, but they kept cutting back to Pope Francis's uh, early days. And it's like, ah! I, don't, I don't, I don't want to see Pope Francis's origin story. I want to walk and talk with two popes. Uh, yeah, Notorious was a pretty good film. It was the the biopic of Biggie? Oh, I didn't know yeah, that, that was one was came in out in January. January. Okay, that's cool.
0: Uh, that's I, got, yeah, I mentioned
1: know. Book of Eli. I yeah, that's this it.
0: Long ass list. Okay, I'm gonna make it real fast, even though I got a lot. Okay. um, The oldest film on any part of this is Venom, uh, which is (laughs) is not the voodoo movie from like 2000, from the early 2000s, but um, Oliver Reed tries to kidnap a kid, but it turns out now it's become a hostage situation and they're stuck in a house with a black mamba that's just slithering around biting people. Fucking weird, but very entertaining film. Uh, Let's see. Vice Squad is incredibly irresponsible. Um, Really just. Absolutely bizarre film about uh, a pimp who's killing everybody. Uh, Martin Scorsese called it the best film of the year. <laughs> so never tell me he's unfa- fond of genre films. Uh, the Stepfather, I consider too good to be on the list uh, because it is genuinely a brilliant motion picture in which Terry O'Quinn plays uh, a bluebeard. He marries women, takes over the family, and when they don't fit his. Reaganomics idea of what a perfect family should be. He kills them and moves on. Mm. Terrifying performance by Terry O'Quinn. Speaking of evil parents, parents. Oh, this is this January release? Parents? January release. Bob Balaban's Parents mm. is this really creepy movie about a kid in the 1950s who begins to suspect that his parents are cannibals. Mm. Terrifying, but very bizarre. Uh, a movie that is stupid, but I enjoy it. Free Jack. Free Jack is stupid. <laughs> but I enjoy it.
1: Uh, uh, that, that, that was sort of like a, a punchline when we were in high school. I know. It's like when we did something cool but kind of failed. It's like, look at this post. Oh, I stumbled. Aha, Free Jack. <laughs> like that, that's how we used it as, as an ex. Yeah. Free, ex uh, Free Jack is a, the a billionaire Anthony Hopkins
0: is dying, and so he plucks Emilio Estevez out of the past so he can like steal his body and download mm. his brain into Emilio Estevez's body and marry Emilio Estevez's ex girlfriend, Renee Russo. But Emilio Estevez escapes, and Mick Jagger has to track him down. That's the actual movie. Holy shit. Anyway, uh, you know what movie's funny and stupid? Hmm. Cabin Boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a stupid-ass movie, but I laugh my butt off at that movie. Would you like to buy a monkey? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Abel Ferrara's Body Snatchers is surprisingly uh, that's, good. That's a really good one. Really creepy yeah, I mean. movie. Uh, let's see what we got. From Dusk Till Dawn mm-hmm. uh, is very much a January movie, but it's so vibrant and alive. and It's actually one of Robert Rodriguez's better movies, and I'm a really big fan. No comment. Yeah, I know. can talk about can talk about Tarantino. Talk about Tarantino. Uh, uh, about Tarantino. Uh, Screamers is surprisingly good. Oh, the Peter
1: Weller film. Yeah, it's pretty about, fun. It holds so, up okay. You know, is it on Mars or the Moon? It's on. Su- it's on like. It's, some it's other on a distant planet. planet and dist- yeah, there's there's yeah, un- like little tiny subterranean security robots mm-hmm. that are kind of burrowing through the ground, and they they scream when they jump out and they grab you. But they're evolving.
0: Yeah, no, they haven't noticed that they've actually but started like building different versions of themselves mm-hmm. underground, and all of a sudden, what was supposed to be our security system is now the
1: dominant. Force on the planet. Yeah, and um, there may be like disguised people that might be robots. The, and, the
0: ending is actually not great. Like the climax is just mm. sort of, eh, but like it's so moody and creepy, and I really like it. Mm. Uh, Waiting for Guffman, of course, came out in oh, January. Course, for Guffman, Brilliant yeah. movie, uh, really great movie from the '90s. No one talks about Gridlocked.
1: Oh, I haven't seen Gridlocked. Gridlocked it's, it's is a, awesome. Tupac. It's a rehab movie with Tupac. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: Tupac and Tim Roth and Tandy Newton mm-hmm. are in a jazz band together, and they're all heroin addicts. Uh, and uh, when on New Year's. I think it's New Year's. Uh, Danny Newton has an overdose, and they take her to the hospital. And that's when Tupac and Tim Roth decide they're going to go into rehab today. Mm. That's what they're going to do. They're going to no matter what happens. And then it becomes this Kafka esque comedy as they find out the bureaucracy won't let them.
1: <laughs> J- like Check we just want to go out.
0: into rehab. Well, you can't. Well, 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 why not, Why not? We're... Well, there's like a waiting list and everything, but we need it now. <laughs> tough yeah. what are we supposed to do i don't know heroin like i don't know. What do you want? Like, <laughs> like, wait your turn i guess i don't know um let's see what we got here fallen while well, we're talking about really good uh oh, that was a January release? yeah oh
1: golly Fallen's, Fallen's really terrific great. Fallen's really cool i, I, I would miss i missed Beeline. it in my research uh, research yeah i would have put fallen instead i fallen love fallen.
0: uh let's see what we got here um sugar and spice which is basically bring it on if they robbed banks Mm. Fun movie I think it's underrated Uh, Mama is a very creepy Little horror movie
1: Oh yeah Um, um, There's Before he did The It movies
0: uh, Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters Is exactly (laughs) as stupid As it sounds But it knows it And it's kind of fun I love the troll In that movie Uh, The Boy Really (laughs) surprised me. The Boy came this close To my top Uh ten If you haven't seen The Boy uh, It's about a young woman Who is hired To babysit A doll Uh huh Not a child but a doll, and she was required to treat the doll like a person. Mm-hmm. And then the, the old couple leaves, and she just doesn't know what to do, and you don't know where the movie's going. You think you do, but you actually don't. And I, I was very impressed by how well this one swept me up and how efficiently it got me. <laughs> so I just want to give a big shout out to the boy. Uh, and then uh, lastly, the only other thing we haven't really mentioned uh, is Triple X Return of Xander Cage. Which, just like Torque... Do we have to mention Triple X, The Return of Xander Just Cage? like Torque, uh. it is big and stupid and full of crazy stunts, and it is exactly as fun as all of the Fast and Furious movies, and for some reason it was summarily rejected, and I do not get it. It was really entertaining. If it's, it had been called Fast and Furious, it would have been a huge hit. and Everyone would have liked it. I don't understand it.
1: The, the skateboarding sequence was really cool, and I remember that they had motorcycles that turned into jet skis. Oh my! They favorite. just rode the motorcycles right into the ocean. And I like turn them into the jet skis. There's
0: a there's an assassin who who like does aerial silks while she's shooting people with a sniper rifle. Right. That's awesome. <laughs> there's a scene in which, and this is totally true, Vin Diesel skis through a forest. Mm. Not during winter. <laughs> Just a tropical forest. Mm. He skis
1: at high speed. If <laughs> that's not a selling point, I don't know what possibly could be. And he gets to the bottom and he's pulling squirrels off of him and unimpaling the branches. <laughs> <there>. <laughs> Anyway, those are our picks for uh, the best January movies. It's it's an enjoyable, high energy film. It's also dumb as a bag of rocks. Like I said, Mm. January movie. I allow Uh, that. uh, I allow that. I suppose it's no dumber than something like Hobbs
0: and Shaw. Yeah, it's the exact same kind of dumb. I just don't Mm. understand why people are like totally forgiving if it's called Fast and Furious, but not if it's called anything else. Yeah, like Mm. White House Down has the exact same tone. If we White- found out that White House <laughs> Down took place in the same universe as the Fast and mm-hmm. Furious movies, you'd be like, "Well, yeah. White House Down might be on my best films of the decade list." I would love you if you did that. <laughs> we might have to do what if we might have to do a top 20 for our best of the decade list. Perhaps. We'll need to keep a, the the pace up uh, yeah. if we do that because there's just so many goddamn great movies. Mm. But we're going to do that real soon on uh, Critically. In fact, actually that might that's air. our next episode. That yeah. might air before this episode. I haven't oh, figured okay, out the order right. yet. But in any case, that's coming up if you haven't heard that. And uh, that is the Iron List. Thanks for coming. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for joining us for the Iron List. Thank you, everybody, uh, in our uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network, who voted for this. We will be back uh, on Patreon before the end of the month with another list of topics Mm -hmm. uh, for uh, Iron Lists that we can do in February. Mm -hmm. There's no shortage, and we'll probably put, like, rom-coms on there just because it's February, but you do not have to pick that. You Mm -hmm. can pick anything you want. I highly encourage you to... Do whatever you want. Mm. Um, but this has been a lot of fun. Thank you, everybody, for ha- picking such a bizarre, fun topic. Mm. I'm glad I was able to fit in a conversation about Eliminators. <laughs> it's always fun when it's a weird topic. Yeah. You can bring in this not the same ten films over and over again. Um, so, yeah, uh, we are on Twitter, at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibel. I already mentioned the Patreon. You can li- uh, email us, letters at criticallyacclaimed.net, and if you listen to our weekly show, We've Got Mail, mm-hmm. we will answer those letters and respond to your questions, criticisms, Um uh, give you recommendations for movies, uh, anything at all. Really, we're we're pretty open books. Um, am I forgetting anything? No, nope, that's it. Cool. All right, everybody, thank you very, very much for listening. We hope you have a great uh, month until we have another Iron List, or a couple of days until the next podcast on the Critically Acclaimed Network. And I forget how we end these, so...
1: Mm. Something that involves that iron sound effect. Clang. We are Iron Man.